Today we explore the long and fraught journey of Terrans from the year 19,000 BG through to the moments leading up to Doom. Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. I'm Abu. And I'm Leo. And Leo, here we are. Here we are. On our golden path. <laughs> oh my god. So exciting. I'm so stoked. Ah. This is the first official episode of Gamjabar. Yes, it is. And I can't wait to get into it. Our path begins into an unknown future because you know neither of us have spice visions <laughs> no not yet at least i'm hoping this <laughs> podcast will unlock something deeper inside me but <laughs> we're we're early in the week there's time plenty maybe of time. by thursday we'll have spice visions <laughs> definitely so let's talk about what we're going to cover today totally. because we wanted our first episode to cast as wide a net as possible we also wanted to be sure that our first episode was totally spoiler free so what we're going to talk about today is the timeline of the Dune universe. But we're going to stop before the first Dune book starts. Right. So we're going to talk about basically the history, all the tens of thousands of years <laughs> of human history that takes place before the events of the first book. So this is actually a great introduction. If you are, haven't read the books yet or you're about to dive into the books, our hope is that this episode and the following episode, we actually have to break it up into two parts because <laughs> lo and behold, you can't cover 30,000 years in, you know, under an hour. Shocker. These next two episodes we're hoping will help you have greater context and a greater understanding of the world you're about to jump into as you start reading the Dune novels. And we want to make it clear, if you have uh, like a deep familiarity with Dune, this will be a nice refresher of what happens before the first moments of Dune. Um, and if you don't know anything about Dune, exactly as Abu said, we're going to try to kind of equip you with a familiarity with the universe so that the early moments are not uh, shrouded in confusion and can be uh, exciting for you as well. Now, we should mention that the Dune books, this kind of source material are kind of heavily debated in where established canonical validity starts and ends. Yeah. So we just want to make it clear, anything that Frank Herbert wrote, which is like the first five Dune books, is kind of our tier one canonical data. Like that's legit, that's real. And then there's the Dune Encyclopedia, which Frank Herbert wrote kind of a, a forward for or, or kind of commented publicly on it saying, hey, this is great unless I decide to do something different than what you've said, because the book was published, I think, in uh, 1984. Right. So there were some, there were still some books to come out after that. But hey, I mean, you created the world. Yeah. Your rules apply, buddy. You know, like, I think <laughs> yeah. he has every right to say that. <laughs> he, listen, you do you, Frank. Hey, so far, it's been working great. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So definitely, uh, so long as the uh, the encyclopedia isn't directly contradicting something that Frank Herbert wrote himself, uh, we're considering that pretty much canonical. And then outside of that, we have Brian Herbert's writings as kind of extended canon uh, when applicable, because it, it might not come up very often. We just wanted to put that out up front. We won't talk about it too much after this, I promise. Right. That's like super niche interest uh, disclaimer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know that that's our stance as the Gamjabar podcast. Right, Obviously, right. everyone is free to understand the Dune universe in their own way, but we are interpreting interpreting it through the words of Frank Herbert first, right. then the encyclopedia, and then finally Hassan Bryan. Again, that's just our stance. This is a heavily debated and extremely confusing <laughs> topic. We also, you know, you and I had to look up when the encyclopedia came out and when Frank Herbert oh wrote God. that forward yeah. and when he wrote his last book and when he died and we had to like, <laughs> it was very confusing. But ultimately we decided that's our stance on the podcast and we wanted to make that clear right off the bat in the very first episode. It's sort of the most disappointing episode of Sherlock Holmes, where Sherlock Holmes does like hours of, of research <laughs> and then decides that it's just opinion. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so let, let's uh, get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. Yes. A lot of what we're going to reference today is from the encyclopedia, because lo and behold, Frank Frank Herbert himself did not give us a lot of context of what happened in the... 20 to 30,000 years of time <laughs> right. that takes place before the first Dune book. So the encyclopedia does a pretty incredible job of filling out that space for us. So a lot of today's episode is going to be sourced from there. And what we wanted to do, first of all, is just talk about this calendar, right? Because it's kind of, <laughs> the scope of it is kind of massive and hard to wrap your head around. So we wanted to help you and honestly help ourselves anchor in some real world events that also obviously take place in the world of dune and try to anchor ourselves on this calendar because this calendar is huge i mean leo you have it written, written down here someone did the math and i guess dune takes place in <laughs> our, on our timeline in the year twenty three thousand a.d <laughs> this was really fascinating for me because when the first time i read dune I allowed it to be sort of like Harry Potter or like Lord of the Rings, where it was just a, a parallel fantasy world. But part of Frank Herbert's crafting of this universe and part of the beauty of the universe is that it is rooted in a distant future of the timeline we're currently on, potentially. I mean, really, actually, a lot of the commentary of the books as you read them and as we go into these movies by Denis Villeneuve and the HBO series... You, you will likely see some commentary on the world around us and how the future might roll out. Right. So I do think it's important to note it is entirely possible that Dune is kind of written in a, a future projection of our world. But you are you are correct, Abu. Someone did the math. Now, this is making a sort of bold assumption that Dune chronology is using Earth years, um, a lot of <laughs> spacefaring sci-fi has to deal with the issue that we define a year as like the time it takes Earth to go around the sun. And when you're like hundreds of thousands of light years from Earth, why? Why would you ever count time that way? <laughs> but that basically, we didn't have any alternative to Earth years established in the Dune right. canon until right. 2008, which was uh, Brian Herbert's book so basically it's it seems pretty likely that in frank's initial setting of the dates of dune it was about twenty one thousand years from now <laughs> easy right just just That's think about that so hard to wrap your head around because yeah just think about that yeah like insane what is what is twenty thousand years like what 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 even right what is that amount of time that that's just incomprehensible <laughs> I think another note we should also make here is the Dune calendar. So in like jumping into the world of Dune oh, now, right. yeah. in the, in <laughs> the lore that. itself, in the universe, the Dune 
calendar is the is called the Universal Standard Calendar, and it's separated into two distinct eras of time. There's BG, which stands for Before Guild, and then there's AG, which stands for Leo. Hit me. Uh, all the gummy bears. Wait, no, after Guild. After Guild. Sorry, you got I was, it. You got it. I'll I'm get hungry. It to you. After Guild, right? So we'll we'll talk about what the Guild is. I'm sure in future episodes, but all you need to know about it for today and for these next two episodes is that the establishment of the Spacing Guild is what denotes those two time periods before Guild, after Guild. So today's episode is going to cover the events before Guild. So everything we talk about today is BG, and then we'll stop when the Spacing Guild is established, and then in the next episode, we'll go forward from there until the first Dune novel. Uh, so everything today is going to be counted in BG. And I, I do think it's it's not unhelpful to start getting familiar with this way of thinking. Like, we could have done the, the math to, like, convert these years that we're going to be talking about into AD years, but in the books, when you're reading the books, and probably in the shows and movies, characters will be referring to dates using this um, BG, AG denotation. So I, I think it is worth right. starting to get familiar with kind of um, that. <laughs> Definitely. And we were talking about context earlier. I did some digging, Leo. Yeah. And you had asked, what the heck even is 20,000 years? Yeah. Well, what is that? Based off of historical findings, 20,000 years ago is roughly 18,000 BC on our calendar, on our timeline. Sure. Around those dates, our best guesstimates are that this is around the time we've made the earliest discoveries of actual human settlements Wow! made out of mammoth bones. <laughs> this, is, this is around the time we discovered the earliest cave paintings. And there are some scientists who believe this is around the time spoken language was used by humanity oh my god so podcasts could not have happened twenty thousand one years ago that no only not at all based off of our best estimates yeah <laughs> earliest possible podcasts twenty thousand years ago right gotcha <laughs> so that's just that's just a little bit of an idea like twenty thousand years ago wow. humanity was just using spoken language for having like creating their first settlements yeah that is how long ago twenty thousand years ago flip that around we're talking dune twenty thousand years the other way yeah insane wow. to think about another crazy fact i want to throw at you yeah recorded human history as we know it today wasn't developed until roughly five thousand years ago oh my god <laughs> so but i wanted to throw some of those real historical facts and timelines at you to try and help give us and give our listeners some context of sort of the scale we're talking about here, the scope. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about some real-life past events in these new the, the new way of thinking about years to start getting used to this. So the rise and fall of the Romans on Terra. Uh, oh, and you'll see that Earth in the Dune universe is referred to as Terra, which that makes sense. So rise and fall of Romans on Terra. This is going to be around 16,400 and 16,000 BG. This translates roughly to the the kind of 400-year time span, uh, 31 BC to 1453 AD in, a, in our time about. So again, that's 16,400 to about 16,000 BG. BG, before guild, yeah. Gosh, years are hard. <laughs> yeah, it's only going to get harder. 
Yeah, so that that's about the 400-year time span of the Roman Empire uh, from the moment that Augustus Caesar proclaimed himself the first emperor to the fall of Constantinople in 1453. So that's a good anchor point to sort of anchor ourselves in the Dune universe. The Roman Empire in the Dune universe took place 16,000 years before the Spacing Guild was even established. Insane. Now, moving forward a couple thousand years, in 14,255 BG, it's recorded in the Dune universe that the first atomics were used. And we can assume here that this was the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in World War II in 1945. So that's another anchor point we can use to orient ourselves. World War II in the Dune universe took place in 14,255 BG. And it's only only going to get wilder from here. It's it's only going to get crazier. Uh, it is worth noting that atomics are still a thing in the Dune universe. This is part of why we mention this. I'm, not only does it help orient where we are, but like atomics continued to be a thing in humanity's future in Dune um, as one of many options for weaponry. Just to be clear. So you'll you'll we'll likely hear about atomics in uh in in these movies. It's not a spoiler, it's just right. it's true. This is a vocabulary term that that you will see, which, you know, good to know. Right. And again, think think about when Frank wrote these height of the Cold War era. Oh my gosh, yeah. Atomics were definitely a major topic in, in the world at the time and uh, it totally makes sense that atomics play a major role in the Dune universe as well. So this is when we now start talking about Frank's projected future and the real path to Dune. Um, so between 14,100 BG and 13,360 BG, uh, about that 800-year time span, we as humans are first colonizing the solar system. This is when the first colonization of the solar system begins. And Ceres, I think that's how you say it, right? Ceres? Yeah, that sounds about right. Is This is, by the way, we, we mentioned this was going to get wild. Step one. Ceres is an early planet that we colonized, and it Im pretty, pretty quickly becomes an imperial capital when Earth is struck by an asteroid. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh by earth uh sorry <laughs> you know just starting off the history clean we have a new home <laughs> as a species it's called ceres right and uh sucks sucks to be earth for a little bit right for a little bit for a little bit and in this same couple hundred year time span when ceres becomes the capital the new capital of humanity and the new capital of the imperium the treasures from earth are salvaged in some sort of mission those treasures that survived this asteroid hitting earth which we have to assume was apocalyptic in nature and wiped out a lot of earth whatever was left over that was recovered uh, and this is really interesting because this to me is frank herbert giving himself a blank slate right now he doesn't have to worry about there being a actual earth history <laughs> Right. Or the people in his universe knowing that Earth history, because it's been wiped out. They know just the pieces and parts that were recovered in this salvage mission. Do you think Do you think that was his editor going, well, Frank, what happened to Earth? And he goes, oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, an, it's a, you can't really call it a cop-out. He gets to do whatever he wants. It's his universe. But this is, a to me, a very smart writing technique to make sure that his characters don't come off as idiots because they don't know like common earth history right 
it's okay that they don't know now because it doesn't exist. It was wiped out by an asteroid <laughs> and uh, only parts of it were salvaged. And it's okay if his if his characters don't know much about it. The interesting thing here, and again, this is going to tie into something personal with Frank. We keep, I keep saying Frank as if he's like our buddy, my friend on a first name basis. <laughs> yeah, Abu and Frank, Leo and Frank, F F man. Yeah, exactly. F boy. F man. F dog. F F dog. Right. So in in this time period, after those treasures from Terra are salvaged, Terra slash Earth is reseeded. It's terraformed, and it's declared a national park by law. It's protected territory, it's a national park, and it's no longer the seat of human civilization. That is Ceres. And I think it's really interesting, especially considering Frank's own environmentalist views in real life. He was very much a public environmentalist. And, and there's, a, there's a sort of sentimentality to it, too, right? Like, humans, humans are progressing forward. We are spreading across the galaxy in this period of time. But even this place where we evolved and 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 the first you know thousands of years of our uh, of our of culture um is destroyed we don't just abandon it and move forward we we reseed it we make it a natural park we protect it uh and we we keep it i mean we it's it's there it's it's doesn't have as much information on it but it's there right no no so that sort of answers the question of earth in the dune universe if you're reading dune and you're like wait why is nobody talking about earth why is earth not the capital what's going on it's because it was destroyed by an asteroid treasures were salvaged and then it was reseeded and declared a natural park and that's earth's place you've got some new planet names to learn <laughs> yeah exactly welcome to dune <laughs> Okay, Leo, let's jump forward a couple thousand years, not to give you timeline whiplash again, but... Like 6,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> All of writing and a thousand years. <laughs> exactly. So we're going we're gonna to move forward a bit here. Now we're talking about the time between around 7593 BG to around 3832 BG. So that's, uh, what is that? Some quick math here, around 3,500 to 4,000 years that we're going to talk about here yeah a lot happens a lot of shit changes in this time frame and the first thing is our boy holtzman is born mvp i mean mvp of the universe by a very large margin <laughs> holtzman he god he changes everything it's insane it's insane and his story is so interesting it's like you know give me his story like make the movie about his life like damn oh my god Please, a mini series on Holtzman. Like, let's get you know. Let's obviously do get it. HBO, a few years. do it. HBO, please. That would be so good. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about his life a little. Early in his life, somewhere around his twenties, his mid to late twenties, he's disabled, and Leo, he becomes a cyborg. Yo, it's it's somewhere between seventy five ninety three and thirty eight thirty two BG. That that happens now. <laughs> <laughs> Right. We're so far into the future, Cyborg. Like, technology has obviously progressed, and he's disabled. In his 20s, he becomes a Cyborg. Awesome already. Already a total badass. And then he goes on to discover interplanetary communication, instantaneous interplanetary communication, which, as a result of that communication now being transmitted instantly between the thousands of planets that humanity has now colonized, reunifies all these disparate colonies 
it's because of this dude and him basically creating the iPhone or right. creating the tele the like the interstellar telephone. Yeah. That humanity is reunited because something we haven't mentioned yet around this era, around these couple of years, humanity has spread so far and wide across thousands of planets, but the technology hasn't caught up to where they can communicate effectively between them. Right. So there's all these like little pockets of humanity spread around the universe and it's kind of chaos. It's really considered the dark ages. And it, I mean, it, this really goes back to like, you know, you remember the hundreds and thousands of years of human history where like, if you moved, if you like migrated as a family unit or like a, a culture or a population moved hundreds of miles, you're just never seeing the people that you're leaving behind ever again. Yeah. And on the very unlikely chance that communication is sent, it's like in the form of a messenger who walks like th <laughs> this is kind of the the intergalactic equivalent of this. And a lot of sci fi books have wrestled with this problem when you have humans so, so far away, because right now we could put people on a spaceship and send them off into the into the galaxy. That's fine. But how do we stay in contact with them? Meanwhile, Holtzman comes in here in his like new cyborg body <laughs> and discovers instant interplanetary communication. And suddenly people can like dial their friend in Germany and have a quick conversation. No, Germany doesn't exist anymore, but the you planet get what I'm of Germany, right? right, right. <laughs> Germany, Ger Ger Germany planet, planet Germany. Uh, it's <laughs> you, you, you suddenly you can have these communications and humanity in a lot of ways becomes the species again right because this is no longer just pockets of dwindling i don't know like what is the species's momentum right if we're not unified and you know talking political power here too like right right these disparate thousands of planets probably had their own governments their own leaders their own infighting their own whatever because they couldn't communicate effectively with the other thousands of planets but now suddenly they can and you would assume here that power begins to centralize, you know, the more the wealthiest planets, the biggest planets, the most military, like militaristic planets begin to consolidate power as like the scope of humanity expands. It's globalization, but on a scale of right. the entire galaxy. I was just going to say, if a pocket of humans arrive on a planet that's really rich in a particular ore, now there's a way to manage those resources and manage those shipping, uh, manage, you know, getting things from point a to point b and suddenly the whole species can thrive because of this dude yeah yeah amazing holtzman like single-handedly pulls humanity <laughs> out of like this literal dark ages where communication is difficult and now suddenly everyone's in contact this is this is going to become a trend you're going to notice with holtzman but after he does this after he effectively changes the shape of interstellar humanity he disappears <laughs> Just like bye. He disappears for a couple thousand years. Classic. What a sabbatical. And you something something this sort of brings up is also the question of human lifespans at this point. Like if we're talking thousands of years in the future, technology is advanced, medicine is advanced. You have to keep in mind, humans probably just naturally live much longer. But after Holtzman, our boy, becomes part cyborg, I'm sure his lifespan is extended tenfold hundredfold so it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to disappear for a thousand years and then come back the other theory i have interestingly enough yeah is that he died and was reanimated in some way like this is holtzman 2.0 that comes back uh -huh. after a few thousand years 
Interesting. Because no one knows what happens when he disappears here. Right. That's conjecture on my part. I can't state for certain that that is lore and that is established. <laughs> All we know for certain is that he disappears for a few thousand years and then comes back and then he pulls some more shit, Leo. You can't stop him. You can't stop him. People are can't like, stop, stop Holtzman. You keep helping us. You, you should stop. You should just relax forever. And he's like, I did for 2,000 right. years. Take a day off, my dude. He's like, I took 2,000 years worth of days off. Here's <laughs> shielding technology forever. Boom. Boom. Drops the mic. Drops the mic and it bounces off of a shield. Shields. Bounces Welcome off of shields. a shield. It's future. It's future yeah. time. It's future time, baby. <laughs> like, now we're getting into real sci-fi shit. Like, humanity is in space. Holtzman makes interstellar communications. And then a few thousand years, he invents shielding technology. And this changes warfare forever. This is like Deus Ex Holtzman. Uh... <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, it, it's wild. Shielding, I'm sure we'll have an episode at some point dedicated to shields. But suffice it to say, because of this technology that Holtzman created, it changes warfare forever. Like, guns are no longer part of warfare. I mean, they are part of warfare, but they are much less effective. You can't shoot a laser gun at a shield. Right. And that is that is something that is that we... Uh, yeah. That, that, that is good to know about these shields. Because, again, just a shield... We, we have shields, Abu. You know, shields exist in our world. The the Holtzman shields specifically are like energy barriers that reject yeah, things like very sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sci-fi. They reject fast moving things. They're almost like a like a Newtonian fluid. Um bullets and 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 uh things that move really quickly, like throughout the, the series, it's pretty established that like if you like if you threw a baseball at me and I had a shield active, the baseball would bounce off. But you could slowly walk up to me, and it wouldn't interfere with your body. So it's 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 an interesting dynamic. But there, it is established. One of the fun personality traits of these shields is if they come in contact with a laser blast or a laser gun, uh, it creates a nuclear explosion. Right. Which, you know, maybe that's useful if the person with the shield is. Uh, like far 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 away from you but the the nature of most armed combat is if you're using lasers against them you're basically sacrificing yourself because there's no real safe way of engaging in that combat so you're exactly right the nature of battle and uh and everything shifts very dramatically with the introduction of shields yeah what a flex holtzman what a flex <laughs> what a flex amazing all right let's let's jump forward another couple thousand years easy and let's let's put a pin in holtzman for a second he's gonna he'll disappear wait. from the he, he'll be back in a second but he, he's back. gonna disappear from the pages of history for just a little bit so jumping ahead another few thousand years now we're around roughly 200 bg to 100 bg we are getting close we're getting close yeah. right there's a really significant event that happens here that we really need to talk about at length. The Butlerian Jihad. This yeah. is something that's referenced many times throughout the original Dune series in Frank Herbert's books. And I would say the Butlerian Jihad is even more formative to the universe of Dune than Holtzman was. Yeah. This changes the literal universe forever. Human evolution as well yeah. which is really important to note like the course of humanity not only culturally and 
technologically, but also like biologically, yes, shifts really dramatically at this point. The more you learn about it and the more as we talk about it now, you'll see there are some things that happen in the Dune universe that only happened because of this. It's important to note, at this point in humanity's technological reserve, we now have artificial intelligence and thinking machines, machines that have their own kind of autonomy and ability to think. I don't see a ton explaining what those machines, like how they came to be. It's kind of just like, oh yeah, inevitably this happened. Artificial intelligence is just part of the process. So let's get into it. What is the Butlerian Jihad? The Butlerian Jihad is named after this woman named Jahan Butler, and her story begins when her daughter is aborted by an artificial intelligence hospital director. And this uh, you can't really call call it a robot, but this artificial intelligence, very much in the image of a human, basically computed that Jahan's daughter would have been born, quote-unquote, too deformed. Right. So it considered it a mercy to both Jahan and to the daughter to abort her. At first, she doesn't realize it's an AI director. She assumes, okay, that something went wrong. The doctors made this decision for me. I'm pissed. I got to investigate. She goes in, she investigates, she finds out this hospital is run by an artificial intelligence, and she's pissed. (laughs) She's like, this fucking robot doesn't get to decide whether or not I have a daughter, you know, like based off of what computation, based off of what moral interpretation of my birth, of my daughter's birth, did this fucking robot decide that I should not have had my daughter? And this sets off a series of events that just blows up across the universe. It's it's extremely complex and it dives really deep into it in the encyclopedia, but I'm going to try and cover like a very brief overview. Basically, Jahan and her husband, they're not like lords. They're they're not like uh, royalty of any sort, but they are sort of upper class people with power and prestige and influence. Jahan and her bu- and her husband essentially plan a coup with the local priestesses who are also sort of they they find out about this plan because of Jahan and they're also pissed and they plan a coup against their governing planet. So they're on they're on a planet and the planet that oversees them is called Richies, I think is the pronunciation and they essentially plan a coup because this artificial intelligence was developed and created in Richies and Richies is the place where it's sort of like a central hub. It's like Silicon Valley. That's where the artificial intelligence was developed. And the people there are all in when it comes to AI, when it comes to thinking machines. They almost revere them and worship them. And you'll see this throughout Dune, this like, you know, a strong force or a strong idea will develop. Artificial intelligence is a thing. And some people go super, super hard into it. And like these priestesses, they really don't like it. They're opposed. They really don't like it, right? So this coup is actually successful. They overthrow this governing planet, Richies, and Jahan is basically like, okay, cool. You know, we we overthrew this governing body. We effectively got rid of AI on our planets and our governing planets. We can stop here. And the priestesses are like, no, there's AI across the universe, and we can't stop here. We need to keep going. And that's exactly what they do. And suddenly, the, these pogroms against artificial intelligence, against machines, this bloodshed, this violence, which started on these two small planets where Jahan Butler, you know, started this revolution, suddenly start to spread across the galaxy. And that's what's known as the Butlerian Jihad. That's 
a huge oversimplification of it, but that is effectively what happens. These priestesses spread Jahan Butler's ideals across the universe, and suddenly humanity turns against these thinking machines. So Jahan is it kind of as this sort of movement, as this effectively kind of techno genocide uh, of these thinking machines kind of sweeps across the universe. She sort of pushes for restraint, but she ends up dying. She, her, 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 uh, she, she dies. <laughs> and yeah, effectively the, this movement continues completely unrestrained and uh, effectively all thinking machines are wiped out. Now, it's important to note, now correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's my understanding that the thinking machines were the only reason humans could travel at faster than light speed, right? Because That's they, my assumption, because the calculations required to make it were, were, like, aren't possible by the human mind. Right. So, so it's important to note the ramifications of this, because on a certain level, I, I'm struck by the ethics of like, when you create artificial intelligence, as we call it in, in our world, what are the ethics around if you destroy it, is that murder? Uh, you, you know, there, there are these questions that are worth considering, especially as we progress literally 20,000 years into the future. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's where my mind goes. But in, in universe, what really happens is suddenly transportation between distant stars are very limited for a while. Like for a minute, I mean for for well, actually, I guess it's only like a couple hundred years. <laughs> That's convenient. Yeah, for a few decades. But actually, Leo, I really like that you brought up the ethics of it because I find it really interesting that the Butlerian jihad, like jihad, is already an extremely loaded term. Right. Obviously, like especially in our world with the war on terror, with it, it's many like political and religious connotations jihad is already an extremely loaded word but the butlerian jihad itself is described like the word pogrom is used in dune it's described as a bloody conflict that just spreads across the galaxy it's it's described as slaughter it's not described in a, it's like the imagery that i'm getting is not people smashing their macbooks right, right like the imagery that it's trying to instill here is that is basically what you're saying, like the ethics of killing an artificial intelligence, yeah, a robot that looks just like a human, how is that any different than murdering humans? So this is like a mass genocide of effectively conscious beings. These are artificial intelligence, but they're conscious thinking beings who are self-actualized. And I really like that Frank Herbert's Dune and the encyclopedia and the this universe treats it like a jihad, like something that's bloody, that's brutal, that's immoral, that's on many levels is, you know, against humanity. Uh, and it, it ultimately wipes out this entire effectively race of beings, this artificial intelligence race of beings. It wipes them, them out across the galaxy. Like, that's wild to think. You, you know, there are a lot of conversations these days about artificial intelligence and how this like natural and a lot of sci-fi authors talk about this, this like progression of of artificial intelligence until it attains sentience, like full sentience and then autonomy and then like overthrows humanity. And it becomes this like Terminator battle of robots versus man. Yeah. And it's this like crazy binary situation. But it seems so much more in line with human history <laughs> that this would be almost like a religiously motivated purging of yeah. 
discriminated against purging is such a good category of of living creature you're so right that i think we could make the mistake of thinking oh they like broke their computers (laughs) they like (laughs) you know hit the reset button whoops you know deleted the whatever the home drive it wasn't just unplugging your tv and calling it you know calling it a jihad (laughs) right (laughs) right and to really hit this point home our boy holtzman do you recall something about him he's you know what i think memory serves beyond being a badass uh total badass total badass yeah 100 percent badass not 100 percent human yeah and our boy holtzman here killed during this jihad because he's part cyborg so that's another angle to think about yeah where did the jihad draw the line here like how robot or how artificial intelligence was holtzman he started off as 100 percent purebred human born human yeah but he was also wiped out during this jihad so you have to imagine that this jihad exploded way out of control also even even just an individual like holtzman who was born human fully human for 20 years and then became cyborg because he was disabled like that's of course yeah you're right where's the line in the sand but also this is Holtzman, who's like Holtzman, the reason, a hero. He's like, <laughs> the reason humanity is possible now, and they're like, nah, <laughs> bye. Nah, he he's one of them. We have to wipe them out. Like you have to. It's rude. This totally changes the face of the universe because, as you mentioned earlier, technology sort of stops here. Like humanity now has to figure out how to do all of those faster than light calculations and all the things that computers even today in the 21st century help us do that humans simply cannot imagine all of that disappearing now humanity has to work with quote-unquote dumb computers who can't do the things that artificial intelligence could help them with right and we this changes the face of the galaxy right yeah so this this sort of sets sets the stage for the next basically the next 10,000 years yeah of humanity all right, Leo, let's let's close it out. Take us take us down to 0 BG, baby. So the last 100 years of before Guild, we have a really important moment for where the Dune book starts. Again, we still have plenty of time before Dune. But um and we're again, we have a whole nother episode. <laughs> oh yeah, we have a whole nother episode before we even get to Dune. And the 0 BG is not where Dune starts to be clear. <laughs> okay, so we're in the last hundred years before, in the before Guild kind of uh, era. We are still 10,000 years from the beginning <laughs> of the Dune book. Like that's, just keep that in mind. <laughs> Remember, all of writing, 5,000 years, twice uh, before the beginning of Dune. So just keep that in mind. Everything we've said, great. 10,000 more years before the beginning of Dune. Now, yeah. Uh, this is actually, so between 100 and 0 BG is when a few very important, like, families and houses of power are established, including, and I'm going to say this wrong, Atreides. Was that right? That's totally right. Thank the Lord. House so, Atreides. House Atreides. Uh, House Atreides is established in this 100-year period, and the main character of Dune that you meet on page one, played by Timothy Chalamet, is an Atreides. So the the beginning of this family is 10,000 years before the beginning of the book. Just bear bear that in mind, because I I think when I first read Dune, I missed it how old blood, old blood is in Dune. You know, like when, when someone's like, 
oh, I'm a Rockefeller. I'm like, oh, cool. You have like, you know, family tr- tr- ties yeah. to yeah, like, like one or two generations. Cool. Yeah. Neat. No, this is 10,000 years of family history. <laughs> Paul Atreides, the, the main character, is part of a 10,000-year family house timeline. So just keep that in mind. There, there are some other characters we meet who are also part of that timeline. But yes, so between 100 and 0, House Atreides is established. Uh, and who else? House Carino, baby. They take hey. power. Yeah. And this is this is where the Imperium... And the imperial seat of power, as we understand it and know it in the novels of Dune, is created. Here between 100 and 0 BG, House Carino, through, you know, conflicts, of course, establishes their dominance and establishes themselves as the imperial might in the galaxy. They control the galaxy. They are the emperor of the entire known galaxy, which at this point, we need to point out, is tens of thousands of planets spread across the galaxy. Planets. Tens of thousands The one thousands emperor of that is in charge of all of that is from House Carino, and this is where the house takes power and establishes the Imperium and the Imperial Seat of Power. So that's going to be very important going forward into the next 10,000 years, and of course it'll be very important in the Dune books. But it's established here. It's, it's also worth mentioning, we mentioned that it's established here because... It's like 15 pages into the book, I think 20, 20-ish pages into the book, you're hearing about the emperor. Right. Like, the emperor is someone who is is frequently coming up in, especially because this, this imperial power structure is, is frequently involved in, like, day-to-day life for the characters that we're going to meet throughout this series. Right. The emperor... Is is kind of a pressing. He, he's a, he's around. People people talk about him. He's considered. He's important. <laughs> yeah. Right. The emperor like does stuff. Yeah. 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 He's important. <laughs> so let's talk about the fallout of the Butlerian Jihad and not having artificial intelligence because humanity here comes up with another way. They discover another way. Right. For interstellar travel to happen, and this is where our boys, the Spacing Guild, enters the scene. You know, if you were to say like guess. Guess how humans figured out interstellar travel without computers to to chart like safe courses? I probably would not say drug powered future sight <laughs> space travel is a, is a wild left turn. But it but it's also wild in, left turn. But it's in line with like thinking machines are now outlawed. They're not. They're you can't. They're, you can't do that. That's not allowed. So okay. How do we get from here to there safely? Well, uh, if we dope up John over here with a crazy amount of this new drug we discovered on a planet. We're naming the first spacing guildmaster John. <laughs> John. Yeah. Yeah. John. Spacing Space guild member John. <laughs> Got it. Cool. So we get John really doped up on this stuff, right? <laughs> Just John is high. So high. He's so high on this stuff. He can see, you know, a year into the future. And he's like, right. cool, uh, chart a course. And they're like, we charted a course. He's like, that'll take you into a sun. And they're like, dang, John, you are high. That's what happens in 84 BG. Yep. Spice-induced <laughs> travel. And th- this becomes a very critical part of the Dune books I'm sure we'll talk about. But this, like, spice-guided interstellar travel establishes the Spacing Guild as a pretty dominant power 
in the structure of the empire and the structure of the Dune novels. And the Dune novels are very political in nature. Right. So power and power plays and backstabbing and all of that good stuff, politicking comes into play. The Spacing Guild here is established as one of our players. Right. Because basically without them, no one gets around. No one can travel from planet A to planet B without a Spacing Guild member getting high on spice without without our boy John yeah. getting high on spice and telling the ship exactly the right path to take to arrive safely at the next planet. Because again, these are computations that are too fast for a human to do in real time as the ship is hurtling through space. This is something an AI would have normally handled, but now John getting super high just predicts <laughs> the right path because he can see the future or somewhat of the future. House Atreides, House Carino, House John. House John, baby. He, he takes care of it. <laughs> um, now, this is also, uh, again, we you will hear endlessly about spice. Right. Spice and melange and however we want to call it is... Th so keep in mind, this is 10,000 years. We're still 10,000 years before the beginning of the book. By the beginning of the book, the, the drug, spice, is the lifeblood of human civilization now. Like people get around because of this. It it is like in many ways considered sort of a currency in in ways. I, I think spice is very much like directly related to political power. Right. So the imperial imperium has the most. Yeah, the spacing guild is their asset that they provide is these navigators, these people who are trained to take the spice and then John run the ships safely through interstellar travel. By the way, John is like mutated. Like John doesn't look like a normal folk. <laughs> Yeah, man, uh, he's, he's like a fish floating in a tank. It's real weird. But we'll, still, we'll talk about that. TBD. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, still human, but still like it's it's strange. Th and this is this is kind of why I mentioned yes, this is this is part of how the technology has to go because if you don't have computers, you have to find some other way. So okay, they take future sensitive people, dope them up on this new drug, and that helps them guide space travel. Cool, right? But. Also, the future sensitive people are like now being bred and like genetically engineered and altered right. as much as possible to make them as future sensitive as possible to the point where I I almost wasn't sure if they were alien or not, but they, they are yeah. humans. But but again, human evolution is is shifting really dramatically in this in this time. Yeah, definitely. And again, as a direct result of the Butlerian Jihad. Right. And another result of the Jihad here, and this final pillar of the empire that's formed as a result of this like mass genocide of machines, is something called the Chome Company. I assume Chome? Chome? Choam? Cho <laughs> Chome, I think? Chome. Okay, I'll, I'll stick with saying Chome. We'll say Chome until... We know that it's Until wrong. Until someone corrects our ass. Yeah. <laughs> Until, hey, that's a reason to engage with us on social media. <laughs> yeah, tweet at us. We're going to get so many pronunciations wrong. It's going to be great. Tell us the right way to say things, please. Can't wait. <laughs> so the the Chome Company is established, and the Landstrad. Landstrad is uh, essentially the, uh, think of it, w the parallel you can draw for the Landstrad is like a house of parliament. All of these different families, both major houses and minor houses. So something like House Atreides is a major house. Right. And then there's a number of minor houses beneath them. All of these houses come together in one political body known as the Landstrad. And Chome Company 
is the company that's established to manage sort of in my mind i imagine like the stock market of spice i guess and all of these houses basically have shares in chome which means they have shares in the value of spice and this is how they obtain power the more shares of chome you have the more power you have obviously house carino who are the seat of power they're the emperors they have the greatest share of chome and they have the greatest store of spice and then the rest of the houses divide up the rest and it's not explained in depth, obviously, like we're not going to give a marketing 101 <laughs> right. class on how interstellar financial markets might work. But the idea again here is that this is another pillar in the politics of the world. And like, I want to back up here, big picture, the Jihad established these three key pillars in the universe of Dune as we understand it. Pillar number one is House Carino and the Imperial Seat of Power. Pillar number two is the Lanstrad and Chome Company. And pillar number three is the Spacing Guild. All three of these parties exist both against each other and cannot exist without each other. So there's constant sort of politicking and making moves against each other, but also they all have to be here because they are extremely dependent. The Landstrad can't go get around without the Spacing Guild. The Spacing Guild can't get access to Spice without Chome Company and their shares. The Imperial Seat of Power doesn't get its power without owning most of the shares without controlling some aspect of interstellar space travel. All of these things are like interconnected in a really convoluted, confusing web, but that's where a lot of the politics of Dune comes into play in the novels. And this is where it's established. Around 0 BG, all three of these pillars of the modern universe come into play. Only 10,000 years to go. <laughs> Only 10 more thousand years to go. Wow. What a journey. So that covers BG. We did it, Leo. We have covered <sighs> all the way to the establishment of the Spacing Guild. That was exhausting. You know, it, <laughs> something like uh, 16,000 years passed so quickly. So quickly. <laughs> it just flew by, you know? Time flows by. I think I have new when gray hairs. When you're John getting high on spice. <laughs> House John. Always remember, he's the fourth pillar. John. Yes, he's my fourth pillar. Never oh, forget John. That's The sweet. first Space Guild member. <laughs> So that officially wraps up today's episode. And again, like we mentioned earlier, this is just part one. In part two of our timeline episode, we're going to talk about the events of AG, After Guild. Now that we've established these three key pillars, the Spacing Guild is here. We're entering, I guess we could call it the quote-unquote modern era of Dune, but it's essentially the universe of Dune that we will experience in the novels and in the movies and in the show. So that's going to be next episode. We're going to focus on all the key events that happen in AG leading up to Dune in a totally non-spoiler way. So we hope you'll join us. So keep your ear to the ground in podcast land. Uh, that episode's going to be out soon. And we can't wait to uh, tell you all about After Guild. It's, it's, it's a wild 10,000 years. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic. So help spread the word of Muadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, and be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the golden path.